Okay, so I want to start this morning by first of all thanking everyone who has been praying for me. For those who don't know, on the afternoon of June the 12th, Monday, June the 12th, my heart stopped. Had a cardiac arrest, and uh, which was a little bit, a bit of surprise for everyone. By 4.30 that afternoon, I, had, uh, I was in hospital with two stents fitted. I was in a coma for about a day. And, uh, but eight weeks ago, uh, sorry, eight weeks afterwards, I went and saw the cardiologist and he gave me a clean bill of health. <laughs> so able to carry on doing anything and everything that I used to do before, except he said, you probably, with the drugs you're on, you won't be an elite athlete. <laughs> this is true this is true <laughs> so I, I wanted to share as, as I, we're talking about uh, the Holy Spirit this morning I want to just share a couple of things which related to that as an introduction to the talk this morning first of all for me I have no recollection of the, of the three days the day that uh, the event occurred and then two days after that I have no real recollection of it so coming out of that in, in recovery after that I, I wasn't particularly stressed I was, I was aware that something had occurred obviously and had to journey through the recovery and I just see well this is just another normal thing that happens in life that you have to get over with um, but for Denise completely different story no, she had to journey through the whole thing and there were uh, she tells me of times where there was a few tears shed but uh, for us going through this even though it was a difficult experience to journey through there was an underlying confidence that we had in God that this was not the end for us and the reason for that and please uh, feel free to talk to Denise about that was on our honeymoon the Holy Spirit spoke clearly and powerfully to Denise that we would have a long life together. We've been married for a bit over 36 years now, and, and I, I would say that's not a long life yet. That's a medium life together. Hey, Brenda and Bruce. <laughs> so there's plenty more years to come yet. And, and so, you, you know, we can all have difficult circumstances that we go through, but it's one of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit in us and working with us is that he speaks promises to us that give us the strength to get through the difficult times isn't that true church second thing that uh, happened is, is uh, I, I know what broken ribs feel like a few years ago I put a rock through my back shattered six ribs punctured my lung and um, spent over three months sleeping on a lazy boy because I couldn't lie down Get, while I was in hospital, plenty of drugs, and uh, the bed I was on was sort of up on a 45 degree angle, so I could sort of sleep and recoup there. When I came home the first night, went to lie down in our bed, and I'm lying lying flat, and as soon as I lay down, I thought, oh, this is just way too sore. Now, there's obviously the chest pain from all the CPR work that was done, but just around here, I said, well, that feels like something's broken. I can't lie lie here like that. So I spent the first night uh, sleeping in the lazy boy again. Thought I'd try it again the second night. So I went to bed, lay down. Ah, no, I can't do it. So Denise puts her hand on my shoulder and just declares healing in Jesus' name. The pain left instantly. 
And from then on, I've been able to sleep fine. Again, this is just, you know, we have the benefit, if you're a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We become alive in our spirit as as the Holy Spirit actually comes in us. And this is normal, everyday Christianity. Hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us, hearing Him lead us, hearing Him, or having Him work, excuse me, work through us powerfully is normal, everyday Christianity. And this morning we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul uh, wrote three chapters on this in the book of 1 Corinthians. So we, I'm going to be unpacking a bit of that this morning. And just pulling various verses out as we, as we go through that. Looking at some things which I hope will stretch your thinking. And then at the end of the service, we want to do some activation. One of the things that I felt God say to me this morning is that he said, give me something to work with. So I hope by the end of my talk this morning, you're ready to give God something to work with. So before we get into uh, chapters 12, uh, 13, and 14, we need to look at some context uh, around the book of 1 Corinthians, which was based uh, for many years through through looking at church his, history from me studying the book, I, I had a realize or I had an understanding, a head knowledge understanding that the church at Corinth was a church that had a lot of problems. <coughs> and we can gain head knowledge of things, but again, this is something that the Holy Spirit can do. There was a moment for me where it went from head knowledge to revelational knowledge. And one of the things I occasionally get privileged in doing is getting invited to go and chat with other eldership teams to give them some advice about some stuff that they're going through because of the years of experience I've had in eldership. And I count that as a real privilege. I love the church, and anything I can do to help is, uh, I just think it is absolutely awesome. And I'd been invited to one such meeting, and as, as I was praying uh, before going there, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say to, me, say to me in my thought process, this is a 1 Corinthians church. And so I, I went and grabbed my Bible and thinking, well, what are you saying about that, God? And I started reading 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And the verses should come up on, on there. And from verse 4, it says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him... You've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. And so here I had I was head knowledge about the church in Corinth, that there was a church which had lots of problems. And here is the Apostle Paul saying this about this church, that it is enriched in every way, that they do not lack any spiritual gift, that they will affirm to the end, that they are blameless. I thought, wow. And it's so easy for us to look at another church or this church or to even look at ourselves or other people and we start, and our starting point is critical. You know, we start looking at uh, people or or churches 
with criticism, saying they've got this problem and that problem and that problem. But Paul says, no, the starting point is looking at who they are in Christ. The starting point for looking at yourself is who you are in Christ. That you are enriched in every way. That you do not lack any spiritual gift. Before you start thinking about what needs to happen, this is the starting point. You know that as the bride of Christ, you are stunning. As the bride of Christ, you are stunning. So that's the starting point. But then uh, Paul sort of hits them over here a bit with the next few verses. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And as I was reading that and, and thinking about this meeting I was going to, the Holy Spirit quickened to me that uh, every church goes through times of problems and quarrels. And the Corinthian church had quarrels, they had differences, they had factions going on. They, I mean, you read the rest of the book. There's just problem after problem after problem that Paul's addressing. I, I, I can't believe the church was actually able to stay together with the amount of things that were going wrong in it. And we can learn from that. But it's, the Holy Spirit said to me, Every church goes through this. And as, as a church, if we go back through our history, there is a time when we've been like that. We've had quarrels and factions and things going, going on. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit says, said to me, church either needs to deal with it or repeat it. Church needs to either deal with it or repeat it. So I went and shared that with the church and hopefully they found that helpful. As I was preparing for today's talk, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that uh, this just doesn't apply for church as it applies for each one of us. You know, God looks at us and he just sees how stunning we are in him. But that doesn't mean to say that we don't have issues going on in our life that actually need to be dealt with. And we, when we're thinking about quarrels and divisions, I felt that God says that there are things that go on in our mind and our thought processes and in our heart which are out of alignment with what the Holy Spirit wants. And these are like quarrels and divisions that are going on between us and what the Holy Spirit wants. And we can choose to deal with it and address it or repeat it. So that's a choice we can face. So, so that's a framework or, or context is that Paul is dealing with issues in the current church. So when we get into chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul is addressing issues around the understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. And he, he starts with the word now. In chapter 12, he starts with the word now. And there's a whole lots of sections of things that he's dealing with. And, and he starts here with now, which means now I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And the next now is in chapter 15. So from 12, 13, and 14, these chapters are entirely about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, he also highlights two extreme uh, understandings of the gifts of the Spirit or approaches to the gifts of the Spirit. And if you look at the end of chapter 14, he says, 
but everything should be done in fitting in a fitting and orderly way. And so there is an extreme going on in the Corinthian church where where people might sense a prompting and they just respond immediately to the, to that without any respect to leadership or 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 putting, engaging their brains in how they should react. And they they'd be having a worship service. Mike, you'd be up up here leading your band. Everyone would be connecting with God and suddenly someone would have a sense of a prophetic word so they'd start shouting it out and they'd only be halfway through and someone else would have a sense of a prophetic word and they'd start shouting it out and then another person and and there's just confusion going on because people were not actually allowing things to happen in a fitting and orderly way and that's where that can happen in your personal life it can happen in church life and that's why it's really important to learn self-control and have good leadership, and pastor what the Holy Spirit is doing, is a term that we refer to here. But then there's also the other end of the scale or the spectrum. If you look at uh, the first verse in, in chapter 12, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do, know, do not want you to be uninformed. Other versions say ignorant. And I think there is the other end of the scale that Paul's referring to here, and maybe it was because there's the excess going on at one end, that there's others who said, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to be involved. I just want to, I want to get saved. I'll, I'll read the Bible every day, and I'll try my hardest to do what it says. And that's the other end of the scale. But Paul is saying, no, you need to be informed about this. You need to understand the gifts of the Spirit because it's the Spirit that brings life. It's the Spirit that takes our Christianity from some normal thing to something which is supernatural and powerful and, and exciting and abundant. Do you want that? Okay, so uh, let's, let's move into the next, next thing I want to bring out here, and that is that Paul identifies three types or, or characteristics of spiritual gifts. And he does this in verse 4, which the, uh, should come up here. He says that there are different kinds of gifts. Now, the Greek word translated here as gifts implies supernatural power. Implies supernatural power. And... Uh, Paul is referring here to what we class as the nine power gifts in the Bible, and he identifies those in, uh, uh, near the start of chapter 12 that we come across. The next word he uses here, there are different kinds of service. Again, the Greek word here implies ministry. The, it's, so it's not the power gifts. Paul is implying ministry gifts here, and they we see later on in chapter 12, there, there is a list of some ministry gifts, and there's a list elsewhere in the New Testament where, in, where, Paul, uh, where the uh, Bible talks about different ministries. And I don't know that anything in the Bible around ministry gifts is exhaustive. I think there is a lots of different ministry-type gifts that the Holy Spirit can empower. But they are a gift. And the third one here, there are different kinds of working, and the Greek word in behind this implies character. It implies character. And of course we know of the fruit of the Spirit, which again are given by God to us. So the, Paul is referring to the fruit of the Spirit here, that there is characteristics 
that God will give us that grows up in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as, as we go through these three chapters, we need to understand that Paul is referring to power gifts, he's referring to ministry gifts, and he's referring to character gifts as we go through. The The gifts of the Spirit. So there's a couple of points I really want to focus on. The gifts of the Spirit are not natural gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are not natural gifts. Now we, and I think there can be some confusion around this, especially when it comes to the ministry gifts that we, that we. Uh, have a talent in a given area. We maybe we have uh, when we when we grew up, we were good at detail, and then our parents fostered that, and then we went into training with, with Microsoft products, and we end up doing fantastic administration. Doesn't mean to say that you're operating under the gift of administration. You might have done spiritual gift tests, and because you're good at administration, you tick all these boxes, and you and it comes up and says, "I've got the gift of administration." That may not be a spiritual gift. It could be just something which is a talent that you were born with and it was fostered. Now, that doesn't mean to say that doesn't come from God. Because the Bible teaches that God designed us in our mother's womb. He teaches that he determines the time and the place that we're born. He teaches us that all wealth that we earn is because God enabled us to do it. Our natural talents and our natural ability is a gift from God. It's just not holy spirit-empowered gifts. Does that make sense? There is a difference. That doesn't mean to say that you can't have a uh, ministry gift of administration that just takes it to a whole new level, even though you have a natural talent for administration. Because there is a difference between Holy Spirit empowerment and natural ability. It is so much different. And we, uh, if we have a look at the end of chapter 13, and it says this, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away... Put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. When we shall see face to face, uh, sorry, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. One of the interpretations of these verses can be that Paul is using a couple of metaphors to differentiate what natural and supernatural looks like. So he uses two metaphors. One is being like a child and one is being like an adult and the maturity of a child is different to the maturity of an adult there's quite a difference there and so our natural giftings will take us so far supernatural empowerment through, from, through gifts of the spirit will be uh, just a whole different level of how God operates that whether that's through our um, characteristics through the fruit of the spirit whether it's through ministry whether it's through the power gifts, it's at a whole different level. He uses the metaphor of a mirror, which is uh, like a, 
that was polished bronze or polished brass was what it looked like. And it, so you could see what you're looking at, but it wasn't quite the same. And so again, the natural is uh, not at the same level as the supernatural empowerment that the Holy Spirit brings. Does that make sense? You know, if you look at the uh, if you look at the fruit of of love, for instance, you know, everyone has the capacity to love. It doesn't matter how depraved the person is, because everyone is made originally in the image of God. There is a capacity to love within every person, and whether that is uh, twisted or warped or for a narrow situation or people, there is a capacity to love. But Holy Spirit empowered love that that Paul talks about in chapter 13 is at a whole different level. Now, you could be at, at work and you something that you've worked and slaved away at um, proved, out, proved to be really successful and did a fantastic thing for your organisation, but someone else took the credit for that, and because of that, they got promoted and you missed out. Now, you could get bitter and twisted about that, or... Because the Holy Spirit empowers you with love, you can actually celebrate and encourage them and say, well done, and uh, operate at a whole different level, trusting that God will be in charge. You could be a doctor or a nurse. Now, I've had first-hand experience on a couple of recent occasions that the doctors and nurses in our medical system are fantastic. They do a wonderful job and, um, and help bring recovery. And that is a natural ability that takes place. But there is the supernatural healing, like when Denise laid her hand on my shoulder and the pain left instantly, which is a whole different level. It's supernatural, it's different. It's the Holy Spirit empowering. And there's a, interesting, there's a story in the book of, at the end of the book of Acts, when Paul is shipwrecked on Malta, and he um, is taking, the governor's father-in-law, I think it was, was really sick, and, and Paul goes and prays, uh, misses healing to him, and he's healed instantly, and the Bible refers that as to the supernatural healing power of God. In the Greek there. Then the, the island brought all their sick to them, and, and Luke, who is a doctor, who wrote the book of Acts, was with Paul, and he uses a word, he says, and they brought all the sick and they cured them. And the word he used for cured there is the one that we would imply doctoring and nursing, taking care of people. Interesting. Two both in there. And so both, just, uh, there's nothing wrong with using your natural talents that God has given you, but there is a supernatural level that you can go for. And I encourage that we do go for Second uh, point I want to make is that there is a hierarchy of gifts. There is a hierarchy in the gift structure. And uh, if we go to the next verses, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, um, Paul says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. And in chapter 12, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, implying that there is a hierarchy of gifts. 
And in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about faith, hope, and love as characteristics of, of fruit of the Spirit. And he says, but the greatest of these is love. There is a hierarchy in spiritual gifts. And I think entry-level, uh, from my perspective, an entry-level gift when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I think that's a foundational thing that the Holy Spirit will bring into our lives to give a platform for the rest of the characteristics of, of the fruit of the Spirit to start to grow in our lives. Entry level for ministry gifts, I think, is serving. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it matters how far you advance in, in the hierarchy of ministry gifts. I think that we all should still basically have the gift of serving, a uh, ministry of serving, functioning in our lives. And when it comes to the, the power gifts, I think speaking in tongues is an entry-level gift. That we can, that it actually just starts, takes faith, it helps us to grow. doesn't mean to say that you can come in at any other level as well. So just because you may not speak in tongues doesn't mean to say you can't be ministering healing through the power of the Spirit. But I think for most people, starting at an entry level is, is what, what happens. Okay, the third thing I want to highlight, and this might challenge a few people, is that every gift is available for every believer. Every gift is available for every believer. And I, I've picked up over the years that sometimes... Speakers talk about that each person has at least one gift, which is an encouraging thing to know that there's actually something there for you. But uh, people have sometimes interpreted that to say that once I've got that one gift, that's all I'm going to get. And that locks us in to false thinking. It limits our lives. Every gift is available for every believer. If not, when you look at what Paul Paul wrote there, why would he just say desire the greater gifts if they're not available for you? So, have you got the next slide? Yeah. Um, he says desire the greater gifts. Everyone is available for you. And we, uh, I want to just focus on the power gifts at the moment. And I think uh, every one of those gifts, the Holy Spirit has worked through me in. Right? I speak in tongues reg regularly. I have interpreted tongues where I've been in a meeting and someone has spoken tongues out loud and I've had the interpretation and shared that. A discerning of spirits, um, even even not that long ago, this year, in fact, when we were at Hamner and there's a, uh, we we're looking at a couple to minister to, Pastor Paul and I, and, and I, I saw the word fear on the on the girl's forehead and we were, and it was like the Holy Spirit was revealing that there's a spirit of fear over this girl's life, and we were able to minister and see that broken off her. Um, the healing, I've prayed for people and they have been healed, or ministered to people and they've been healed. Um, miracles, I was trying to think of a time where I've actually seen a miracle. That may be one that I still, I'm sure that has happened. The, but faith, there have been half a dozen times in my life where I've felt the gift of faith come over me. And it, it's just the sense of God's anointing comes on, on me and I have the confidence and certainty to either speak or act in a way that I would never have had before. 
gift of faith comes on. Um, when prophecy, is, words of encouragement for people is probably one that I operate most, and, and words of knowledge, picking up things which I wouldn't have otherwise known about. And then words of wisdom when it comes to uh, leading organizations. It's uh, often I just have needed the Holy Spirit's wisdom in being able to do that. When it comes to ministry gifts, uh, there's so many gifts that are available to us, and some of them are long-term, and some of them might be for a season. When I was a young teenager, there was a traveling ministry that came through, and they laid hands on, uh, he, he laid hands on me, and he prophesied leadership over me. He said he released leadership into my life, and that I would open doors that no one else could close, and I'd close doors that no one else would open. From that day on, I was involved in leadership. Supernaturally empowered. Now, over the years, and I still am today, supernaturally empowered. Over the years, I've learned some skills. But I still feel the anointing of God on, on me when I'm actually leading. It's a supernatural gift. Uh, there was a, another time, though, where um, soon after... John Alp became a senior pastor. I went and visited the eldership and said, uh, if you want to appoint me in charge of evangelism, I'll look after evangelism for you as a church. And they did. Uh, Paul, pastor Paul was one of the elders at the time. And they put me in charge of evangelism. And I did that for two years before I became an elder. Now, before that point in the previous 20-odd years of my Christianity, I'd led about five people to the Lord. That year I was appointed, I led eight people to the Lord supernatural empowerment of ministry. All the gifts are available for every believer. There is, we're, we're coming, into, coming into land now. There is a requirement for operating in gifts of the Spirit, or there's a list of things which enable us to do that. The first one is very practical. You have to be around need. If you want to operate in a gift of the Spirit, you have to be around need. If you want to operate in the gift of healing, for instance, and you spend all your time around well people, it is unlikely that you're going to operate in the, in the gift of healing. If you want to operate in the gift of healing, get around sick people. Jesus himself said it's the sick that need a doctor. Again, in any of the gifts of the Spirit that you're wanting to operate in, if you're wanting to, to operate in the gift of love, get around people who are difficult to love. There's got to be a need, and that's a very practical thing. I think we can all understand that. If you're wanting to, uh, uh, the next thing is desire. If you're wanting a gift of the Spirit to grow and develop in your life, you need to want it. Paul says that. He says, desire spiritual gifts. It's foundational in growing in gifts of the Spirit, whether that's character, whether it's ministry, whether it's power gifts. If you want to see things shift and grow around your life, you need to desire it. 
Third thing that we see here, and this is important, it's nothing to do with their ability. Absolutely nothing to do with our ability. If we're moving in supernaturally empowered Holy Spirit gifting, it has nothing to do with their ability. At the end of the day, here at the start of chapter 12, it says, it's as the Holy Spirit determines. It's as the Holy Spirit determines. It's all about Him. All we can do is be available. And then it's the Holy Spirit that decides whether we're going to move in a gifting or, or not. And in some ways, that takes the pressure off. But I think one of the, one of the traps with, with that is that we can think, well, the Holy Spirit's not telling me or, or prompting me to do something, so I'll do nothing. Whereas there's a fourth characteristic, and that's faith. We need faith. And I think we can use that excuse, an excuse to do something. I'd much rather someone, or even for myself, I'd much rather go and pray for people who are sick and see what the Holy Spirit does than pray for no one who's sick because I'm not sure whether the Holy Spirit will do anything. Does that make sense? When uh, uh, I think about the second year I was at... And we were having a meeting in, in one of the big houses where, where um, Morris and Miriam and some of the leadership team stayed and the weather was bad, so there was a meeting going on on there. And Morris, uh, Pastor Morris um, came up with this idea that let's do blindfold prophecy. And he said, well, what we'll do is we'll, somebody wants to do it, we'll put a blindfold on you, then we'll get someone who you don't know to sit in a seat and you've got to prophesy over them. So prophecy was an area I was wanting to grow in. So I put my hand up first. I, I, I believe that there is a blessing that comes to first responders. <laughs> And, and look, I, I have no idea whether the prophecy was accurate or not. I can't remember. But I, I remember that I did it because the desire was in me to see that gifting grow and I had faith to step into it and see what would happen and see if the Holy Spirit would respond or not. And that's the attitude we need when it comes to any of these giftings. Does that make sense? So if we jump to one, one Timothy, Second Timothy, sorry, just a couple of other things before we try some activation. Uh, Timothy says in verse six, for this reason, talking to, uh, so this is Apostle Paul talking to basically his apprentice Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. So as, as well as their being in need, as well as wanting to desire the gifts, as well as there being a component of faith, as well as it being determined by the Holy Spirit. It's actually our responsibility to also fan into flame. That's, that means take opportunities as we see them, to fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit that God gives us. And, then, and Paul says, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, there's an impartation that takes place through the laying on of hands, and we're going to do that this morning. 
So one of the ways that you can actually receive impartation for operating in gifts of the Spirit is someone else comes and actually lay hands on you and imparts that gifting. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. And I think this is the biggest barrier for any one of us in operating in the gift of the Spirit, is it's our timidity or fear that we will be embarrassed, that we'll get it wrong, that nothing will happen. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying that the Holy Spirit gives us power. We are empowered through the Holy Spirit. We go from living normal, everyday lives to living supernatural lives. Having God speak to us, encourage us, guide us, comes through the having the Holy Spirit in us. Having, the, having um, adventures where we see people healed, where we see people encouraged and set free, where we uh, see people coming into a relationship with Jesus, where we see things flourish because we're involved in it, because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on us and he is empowering us. Seeing where we um, operate out of love and peace and joy at a level that we never knew possible because the Holy Spirit has come on us and has empowered us. It's a different life that is ours. God promises it to us. Would you like to be activated in that? <clears throat> now, you could be like the people at the start of chapter 12 that said, I don't want to borrow this. But then I've got to say, you're not following scripture. You're not following scripture. Paul spends three chapters and you can go, there's so much more that we could talk about and you can read that for yourself and just see what Paul's saying. Working in the power of the Holy Spirit is normal Christianity. And if you resist, you're resisting what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So can I encourage us to, to do some activation? 